Mr. Sullivan. <laughs> Mr. Jackson. It's welcome uh, to Cloudland. You know, it's, like it's almost like a weather event, you know, where um, when I hear your voice, it's like, well, you know, it's a full front again, a full front of new ideas. Hey, there we go. Well, uh, how was your Thanksgiving getaway? Oh, it was great. It was great. Yeah, you know, uh, <clears throat> we were on our island, so the uh, it's an island that's connected, so they build a causeway. But it used to, you know, in the old days, it was a complete island. And there, mm-hmm. as far as we could tell, there were, you know, there's about 16 um, cottages, and mm-hmm. uh, I think maybe six or seven um, families were were there, including ourselves. And then uh, Shannon Waller, who, you know, is a 29-year veteran of strategic right. coach, and her, mo- and her mother, who's been with us for 23 years, and her sister, who's been with us for 24 years, uh, they were all there. And it's the first time I've seen them in person, uh, Marilyn and uh, uh, Julia, uh, Shannon's sister and mother. It's the first time I've seen them since in person since March, March 13th. Well, I'm going to yeah. tell you something that one of my greatest joys in life when coming to Toronto is the rare occasion of getting what we've started lovingly calling a three-waller hug where yeah. you get all three of the wallers in one hug. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I've gone all of 2020 with, with, I may have had one waller hug in, in I, February. Yeah, I think it might have been. In, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's uh, they've been uh, great. Um, you know, they've been just great, unique abilities for us. And uh, in each case, they found their own niche. You know, what I mm-hmm. try to do is we create. Um, um, kind of a setting where we help people um, zero in on what we call their unique ability and strategic mm-hmm. coach. And um, and then the, the company, you know, the company has various um, growth um, challenges. And, mm-hmm. um, and what we do is we see if somebody's unique ability can fill a niche, kind of mm-hmm. uh, be a who, you know, be a particular type of who, um, you being the author of the concept of who, not how, uh, mm-hmm. that's exactly what we try to do is we encourage people to be the most valuable who that they can be inside the company. And, um, and they've been stars, all three of them. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. I'm 76 and they're combined time at strategic coach is 76 years so oh my goodness um, that's a lot of experience you know i mean uh, one of the things that i've been contemplating lately is um what i call institutional wisdom um that when people have been sort of usefully and happily employed uh in a project for a long period of time they work out all sorts of um understood teamwork which isn't mm-hmm. necessarily written 
it isn't necessarily written down anywhere, but, uh, you know, when COVID happened and we had the shutdown on March 13th, we had out of our total, we had about a hundred and pushing 130 team members. Um, and 76 of them had more than 10 years experience in the company. So quite a bit more than half. Wow. And, uh, and, and we, uh, pared down because, uh, about 20 of, uh, I would say about 20 of them had been hired within the last six to 10 months, six, and mm-hmm. they really hadn't found their place yet. And so, um, in both the United States and Canada, they, you know, the government gave relief to people. So we, um, we, you know, we just had to make a decision right off the bat because we didn't have time. And we didn't have a focus to help them kind of find their place in coach. We need people with experience. And so we, this is the first time we've ever done it, by the way. And, uh, you know, and uh, we had gotten through 31 years without ever paring down during a downturn, but we did this time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and about half of them said, you know, when you things start growing again and you find a new normal, can we consider coming back? So it wasn't a, negative uh, right way in which but uh um our team leaders said we just don't have time to sort them out you know they were they were hired for growth purposes but now the growth won't happen during this year right well not like that not traditional growth but you've uh no. you know grown the cloudlandia division yeah <laughs> Unlimited opportunities in cloud, which is off to a good start. I mean, we have two full workshops, um, mm-hmm. and um, you know, twenty-one countries. That's the. I mean, that's the. Uh, you know, early signs of what the future might be is the sudden jump in the number of com- countries, mm-hmm. and uh, pro- probably the one that's probably most in, in uh, an indication of what's to come is that in the first. 30 years, we had 25 strategic coach clients from Australia, 25 total. And in these first two um, virtual workshops, um, we had 15 more Australians. So, and in each case, it was something they had known about for quite a while. It was on sort of a future checklist for them. They wanted to attend strategic Mm -hmm. coach, but but the plane fight was always arduous. It was a oh man, um, yeah, for sure. That's and even I mean, it helped when you started doing uh, Los Angeles, that they could kind of within striking distance. But yeah, even still, well, it's, it's still uh, Los Angeles. I mean, we do it on Los Angeles time, um, mm-hmm. you know, and. Uh, and they, uh, you know, they don't mind doing things early in the morning or late at night because they're kind of no. used to doing that in relationship to the world anyway, because they, they've, yeah. um, you know, they, I had, my, doing- uh, I had a my, second of my, uh, email lead conversion workshops started mm-hmm. this, uh, week and I had the, the geographic Pan was from uh, Gold Coast, Australia, to um, Portugal. So yeah. we had that whole, you know, people on there same time 
from, uh, you know, really early in the morning. I think it was 4 a.m. in, uh, in mm-hmm. Gold Coast and mm-hmm. into the evening in, in Portugal, but all at all points, uh, in between. So it was kind of. Yeah, we, yeah, I had a two hour, you know, one of my two hour connectors for the 10 times. This was uh-huh. on Tuesday. Uh, I think it was on Tuesday and I, um, to to Sarah Wednesday, I forget which date it was, but we had we had about uh, probably sixty. So this is ten times, and mm-hmm. they could be from any ten times workshop. But we, um, depending on whether you call it the East or West, uh, we had uh, mm-hmm. two from Mumbai, one from yeah. you know a couple from the Emirates, from uh, Dubai, and I think one from. Um, another place in the you know the emirates and then you know um areas of europe um mexico or uh, spain uh spain and uh you know i think probably switzerland and then uk but but wrapping around the globe going around completely the other the other direction we had um uh australia hong kong and singapore you know so if you take uh, Singapore as the furthest going west, and you take Mumbai the furthest going east. There's, you know, it covers about uh, 20 time zones. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and they're completely okay with it. And uh, you know, they said they all they all took steps to you know to rest or whatever yeah. else they need to need to do or would rest as soon as it was over with. But uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, I uh, I tell people I said this is normal. <laughs> I uh-huh. said what we're doing right now, what we're doing right now is normal. I said uh, we aren't getting to a new normal. This we're we're in the new normal. This this is the way the world's going to be for uh, the rest of our entrepreneurial lives. Yes, that, I think that's going to be true. I think the uh, yeah. you know I was looking just uh, this morning actually the full circle sort of actualization now of cloud kitchens where um you know this is the new normal now <laughs> when you start looking at the uh food uh you know the process of starting a uh a restaurant now how that has really evolved and you know mm-hmm. I, I remember because um, I remember we may have had a conversation about this, about the concept of the uh, the ghost uh, restaurants when it first kind of came out, when it first was on the radar, you know, maybe five years ago now, and uh, where it was just a, you know, kind of a secret. It was a, people were kind of like, hey, wait a minute, there's no actual restaurant here. Like it's, there's no, uh, they don't have any, any, uh, dining room here. And people Mm -hmm. were kind of hiding the fact that the food was actually being prepared in a, in a commissary kitchen. And it was, a um, you know, kind of loophole thing that people were, um, taking advantage of, but now it's gone to where it went full everybody's aware of it now and now there's an entire infrastructure funded by 
you know, Travis Kalanick sold 90% of his Uber stock and is full in on this cloud kitchens uh, um, concept where they are providing everything that a, uh, you know, food entrepreneur would need to, uh, to start a restaurant, including the support uh, things where literally all you do is come in and do the, the cooking and they've got runners that take the food and, the, and a centralized uh, collection area for the delivery people. Mm-hmm. So everything is just, uh, you know, completely supported. It was like the idea of what we we're talking about, a capability mm-hmm. farm a capability yeah. farm where you come in and you fully embrace a cow, the, the, uh, the creative person mm-hmm. of it who just allowed to do their, um, allowed to do their unique ability fully supported by farmers all around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you, know, uh, now, yeah. you know, yeah. You know, uh, I grew up in a town in northern Ohio, uh, the, uh, the, uh, first on the farm, but when I was about 11, we moved into a town uh, called Norwalk, and it was named after a town in Connecticut. So there was, um, you could tell where the people had come from who actually came to Norwalk. And uh, a man in the 1920s um, uh, started collecting, you know, like eggs and eggs and meats and that from the local farmers and um he then set up delivery for all the stores you know and he had uh you know first of all he he had just an early kind of truck and then he started accumulating trucks and uh then it got to the point where he would have you know companies that would um wanted to ship things they would ship uh, he would pick them up with a smaller truck and then take them to a terminal and then they would be packaged up and they would be put in larger trucks and then started. So very early in the truck trucking lines and uh, private, it was a private company. But by 19, um, you know, when I came across 1955, they were, the, they were the largest independent truck line in the United States and they were the second largest overall truck line in the United States. And basically from Chicago East, they didn't go west of Chicago because uh, that part of the country hadn't developed fully yet. And it was called Norwalk Truck Lines. And my father, uh, he would do the farm work during the farming season, but uh, in the winter, um, you know, let's say, I would say probably October till October to March. Let's say uh-huh. October to March, he would work on the docks at the Norwalk truck line and uh, tell you how things have changed. I used to get off school, and the terminal was about four blocks from the school, and I walked down, and I would just walk around the terminal. I'd go in the machine shops and uh, yeah, into the offices and everything else, and I met, you know, the president of the company, John Ernsthausen. Would rock. He says, "How are you today, Dan?" He says, "Yep, for uh, Dr. Pepper." And I said, "Oh, Mister, no, how's it?" He says, "Let's go, let's go get a, let's go get a Dr. Pepper, you know." And he treated me to a Dr. Pepper. And he said, "What are you discovering about trucking truck lines?" And he said, "He said, 
I said, you know, I just go in and look at the map and I say, what a wonderful thing that packages sitting on the dock right now are going to go to this city and this city and this city. So, you know, I mean, it's not the same. Uh, it's the same principle of the uh, of the the ghost kitchen. So it's is that, um, you know, um, individual restaurants have to do everything. Yeah. You know, if you think about what uh, they have to do, everything they have to do, ordering and supply, and they have to keep up their backstage, and they have to hire, and you know, and everything like that. Right. So my sense, my sense is that this is sort of the truck line principle from 1920 being applied to um, the the entire, you know, the entire experience of uh, feeding yourself for the day is now being supplied by another um one of these um it's kind of like a platform really it's a platform and he he yeah. created a truck line platform in 1920 and then you're creating another kind of platform in um you know in 2020 so it's a hundred years but if you look at it you say well this is the same and this is the same and this is the same and this is the same and, uh, you know, uh, but it's 100 years later with all the technology that goes along with the passage of time. Yeah. And everything just getting faster. And, uh, you know, like now there's a whole that um, was reading um, online about the next. There's so many different nuances now to people solving this, what they've still come to call the last mile um um you know problem or the last mile uh you know services of getting things to uh to people and now apparently the thing is uh with apartment uh complexes or or condo buildings it's still a bit of an mm -hmm. issue for non-doorman related things so now there's sort of companies that are uh, intermediaries. Well, they will accept the packages kind of thing. And then when you get home, you call and they'll come and deliver it to you at the right, uh, whenever you mm -hmm. want, like, like you order it to come, um, you know, to your, uh, to your house there. So it's really, you know, we really have anything physical can be in our hands. Um, you know, literally the next morning, what they're doing now is they're calling dawn delivery, where if you order mm -hmm. something, if you order something uh, by midnight, you can have it delivered by dawn the next morning. So 7.30 a.m. when you wake up, it's there for you. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty like, what a, what a, what a great, well, some of it will work. Uh, for example, we notice a noticeable difference in quality of delivery. Uh, if you take FedEx and you take um, uh, UPS and you take Amazon, uh -huh. Amazon is 100% the inferior delivery service compared to UPS is by far the best. And, uh, and part of the reason is their drivers stay with them for 25 or 30, 35 years. And so uh, they know quirks about neighborhoods. So, for example, uh, between our house and the next house, there's a missing number. So we're 39 and the next house is 43. 
So, uh, and the numbers are there, but you have to look, you know, you kind of have to look for them. And, uh, but UPS knows this. We've had the same driver in our neighborhood yeah. probably since we've been here. So they know the quirks and FedEx is a little better. But the, um, the Amazon for about two weeks, uh, they would think that we're 41. And then they would think that 37 was actually 39. So everything that was supposed to go to our house, uh, they didn't know. So they just threw the packages over the fence into the front yard and left. Wow. And it rained one day and all the packages were soaking wet. And we phoned them up and they didn't, they didn't do a good job. So, you know, uh, and so, uh, what I notice is that there's some weaknesses in all those systems. If you have new people driving every day, there's going to be problems, you know, like, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, human beings are not uh, infinitely replaceable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know, I don't, I don't know that the, uh, yeah, this whole infrastructure now, this whole like invisible, um, you know, surface layer of the mainland. This, certainly, this mm-hmm. delivery logistics is one of the major um, is one of the major things. That yeah. So I wonder there may be some. Um, well, well, the thing is that in the technology world, convenience and efficiency are the central standards, and cost. Yeah, you know, yeah. getting the cost yeah. down. But the, those aren't the central standards in the mainland. Yeah. I wonder if that's true. You know, like you look at the things. I'm starting to just get the lay of the land of I was looking mm-hmm. for the underlying context of things, right? Like what the actual um, undergirding is of things. And when you look at that layer of you know, moving goods around right to your house in a mm-hmm. timely manner, that um, is better than it's ever been, for sure. Mm-hmm. But we're still having problems like you just described, you know? Yeah, well, I think there's certain things like food, uh, we want it now. You know, I mean, we, yeah. we don't want it two days. We don't want it two days from now. Right. You know, you know, uh, we so it depends upon the thing being purchased. Like people say, you know, I ordered this thing, you know, I ordered a new pair of shoes in the morning and I got them in the afternoon. Yeah. And you say, well, that's really great. But if they had come two days from now, would that have been a problem? You know, I mean, right. They were a new pair of shoes. So my sense is, well, first of all, food's perishable, but. I think yeah. that, uh, you know, when you're hungry, you're hungry. Uh, you don't delay, delay your hunger for two days um, for right. delivery. Yeah. So I think it depends upon the particular human um, need or the human want that's being, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But there's no question that there was a, um, you know, you know, I don't know if you remember a long time ago, I used to describe the marketplace as Death Valley. And and so what you have is you have two mountain rangers. You have a mountain range, the highland, let's call it the highland, uh-huh. on the left-hand side and the highland on the right-hand side. And then there's this valley in the middle. 
And it's uh, the one Highland is extreme custom design. It's a, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like just ultra custom design on one side. And then mm-hmm. on the other side is Walmart or Amazon, you know, like you have the, you know, complete commoditization, you know, with all the, you know, speed of delivery, low cost, um, in, infinite variety on the one side. Yeah. And the other side is custom designing just for your needs, you know. Uh-huh. In, uh-huh. The mi- in the middle is everything else, and they're neither fowl nor fish. You know, like uh, I look at the retail um, stores in my neighborhood that have gone out of business in the last seven months. And I said, yeah, but they weren't, they didn't offer low price, convenience, infant variety. And on the other hand, they didn't custom design anything for you either. You mm-hmm. know, they, they were in the middle. And so there was nothing to hold your loyalty to them. Yes. Including an experience or anything. Yeah, the, right. exper- the experience was, uh, uh, you know, you went in there and they didn't have what you want, and they kind of treated you indifferently. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, and uh, so they get. So my sense is that there's a general killing off of neither unique nor convenient. <laughs> Mm. And, you know, the uh, this is kind of an interesting, in that same vein, um, you know, Joe Polish and I were talking about the annual event coming up for Genius Network, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we were talking about just this thing, these custom designed, highly customized events where um, you what we have now with the way Zoom and the way the breakout rooms work is you have an opportunity to really create a customized experience for people where you can have exactly the the type of discussions that you want to have or to be, you know, pursue the, the things that are most interesting to you. And... Mm-hmm. What I found, this is, uh, I wonder if there's a parallel here, but there was a, um, when we were looking at, well, what do you think people are going to, you know, want to discuss? Like we talked, Joe's got the overriding concepts of health, wealth, and elf. Those are the three kind of contexts of what everything is. And we started thinking about if somebody could design anything they wanted around health and around wealth and around health, what would be the the things that they um, would choose, you know, like if you gave them the opportunity. And it reminded me of years ago, um, Burger King, when they launched their new chicken sandwich, they had an advertising agency that created a website for them called subservientchicken.com. And what it was, was a uh, site because Burger King's, you know, tagline is have it your way. And so subservient mm-hmm. chicken, they had a guy in a chicken costume in what looked like a apartment in, in Hollywood or something. Uh, 
looking at the camera, almost like a, and this was sort of pre-YouTube, right, where video was just kind of getting new on the internet. It was just starting to get where you could stream video and stuff. And so the the um, chicken, would you would go to the website, all you would see is a uh, screen with the chicken guy standing there looking at the camera like he's looking at you with a box underneath, a search uh, box where you could type in your command, you know, command the chicken to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And then you press go and it looks like the guy's kind of reading, seeing what's come up, and then he'll do that. So you say, jump up and down. And then the chicken would jump up and down. And you'd say, chase your tail. And he would chase his tail. So it felt like you were commanding this chicken in real time, that it was like a a real guy. But it Mm -hmm. turns out what they were doing was they just had a series of, you know, 30 or 40 second um, uh, video loops that he always stood on a mark. And so it started there. He would see what came in and then he would do whatever it was and then return to the mark and be there waiting for you to give him the next command, which was really just mm-hmm. getting back to the, the, uh, the, home base kind of thing. And it would feed whatever the next video that you, uh, that was tagged. So Mm -hmm. how they did it though, Dan, was they took a picture of the guy, put it on a piece of paper with 10 lines underneath it, handed out a thousand of them to people and said, uh, think of 10 things that you would command the chicken to do. And people would write the things. And then they took all of those um, entries, all of those things, data entered them into a spreadsheet and kind of created the the tags of what it was. And what they found was that there's 80% of, you know, the 80-20 rule, certainly 80% of the things that, that people... Uh, asked it to do made up 20% of the, uh, the things. And there was very little in the sort of longer tail of it. And they ended up making all, you know, all of these, but covered almost 90% of all the things that somebody could um, ask mm-hmm. for. And I said to mm-hmm. Joe, I think it's going to be the same thing, right? If you think of giving somebody, if you could have anything you want to know, about health or about wealth or about health, what would be the the things? And mm-hmm. you know, I think it's it's a really there's a opportunity there within sort of the I want to be careful about the word I use, the illusion of customization or the well, this, sense yeah. of customization that you can provide that for people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing because uh, in all human beings, there's a line between consuming and creating, Yeah, you know, and, um, you know, and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, talking for myself right here is that I'm, uh, 
less and less interested in new consuming capabilities or consuming experiences and more and more interested in new creating uh, capabilities. Yeah. So my sense is that people really vary where they are with the line. You know, some of them are 20% consumption and 80% creating, and some of them are 90% consumption and 10% creating. So, uh, you know, I think people are responding. Can you clarify that? Tell me what you mean by that. Well, for example, like, I have be an example. Any, yeah. Yeah. Well, television, watching television, I used to, I figured um, that I probably watch television, you know, um, um, 15 hours a week. Um, yeah. You know, may, maybe an hour during the week and a couple hours, um, you know, uh, two or three hours on Saturday and Sunday. And, yeah. um, and, I don't know what it was. It was just a, uh, it was a fluke thing that happened in the two years ago. So it would have been 2018, but, uh, July and August were just beautiful months. And Babs and I, um, here living in Toronto, we'd, uh, instead of in the evening watching television, we'd, uh, you know, we'd eat on the patio and we'd, um, you know, we'd have our Kindles and we'd read and we'd talk and everything else. And then we'd go to bed. And then we have a cottage up north, and we went to cottage and the same thing. And we don't even have a TV up, up north, so that's it. So uh, I suddenly realized from around July 20th till Labor Day, I hadn't watched television once. I, you know, I just had not watched it. And I said, it's really interesting because I don't feel I've been deprived of anything. There wasn't like an overriding need to get back to watch television. You know, oh, God, you know, I got to get back there and watch television. I noticed yeah. Uh, if anything, my habits had shifted during a six-week uh, period, uh-huh. and uh, I said, "I wonder how long I can go with this." Well, I'm now one full year, two full years, and three more months. Uh, you know, I'm three more months into it, and yeah. we just canceled all. We just canceled all of our cable. You know, we just canceled mm-hmm. that. Uh, uh, we still need the internet, but we, uh, you know, we canceled the TV package and everything like that. And it was, it was four, you know, it was kind of four separate things you had to do on the television. And I couldn't re. If you asked me today, Dan, can you turn on the TV? You know, I mean, the right. Had, I said, I said, I, I've kind of forgotten how to do it. You know, it wasn't yeah. just, it wasn't like the old days where you just, you know, you click something and the TV came on. So that was consumption. That was 15 hours of consumption per week times 52 weeks. So it's, you know, 750, somewhere, somewhere around 750 hours. And uh, my reading has gone through the roof, you know, and reading yeah. is more of a, as a more of a creative form of consumption than television. In other words, you have to use your brain. You have to remember characters. Yeah. You, have to, uh-huh. you know, if it's a mystery story, you're looking for the clues and everything else. So what I'm noticing, and it's uh, just a general trend, I think, in my 70s, um, that um, I'm looking for novelty. uh, 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 You know, I'm looking for novelty, you know, where I get to use my brain to interact with things and just having things done for me. It's not that interesting anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. There, so that's a you know some variations. That first of all, I think that people are, uh, you know, just from this consumer on the one hand, because 
there's nothing creative about watching 15 hours of television. You know, you're getting hit, you know, every, they're doing a change of pace every 10 to 15 seconds, you know, to keep your interest and make sure you don't switch the channel and they want to get their ads in and everything like yeah. that. So, the, the, so their parcels of information have gotten smaller and, and more emotional, you know, like they, they're shorter and they're more emotional. They, they want to mm-hmm. shock you. And uh, so, uh, you know, um, I'm just talking about one individual out of 8 billion here. So yeah, yeah. I've I'm noticing my line is switching. So that's the thing that, I mean, they're trying to, you know, I can, you know, if you're looking at people who are, who are trying to capture millions of people, they're trying to find the thing that's the same for all million and then just pound it to death, you know, like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting, but humans are, you know, they can be weirdly unpredictable. Yeah, this is, um, yeah, I think, you know, you ever think about the, let's try to calculate maybe how much, I think probably at that same pace, 15 hours, you don't realize that's 750 hours a year. That's a lot of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so far, you know, it's approaching what most people, you know, if you take 20, 27 months, um, it's the amount of time freed up from television for me is probably equal to most people's average work um, work hours, you know, for a year, mm-hmm. 2,000, mm-hmm. 2000 work hours. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, but I noticed my productivity has jumped up. I'm doing far more. You know, um, in the um, you know, in creating new materials for the program, I've doubled the number of contacts that I have um, per quarter. Uh, I always, you know, I was at about thirteen full day workshops, but now I have twenty six. I have thirteen full day workshops, and I have twenty six two hour two hour sessions, and. I'm 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 liking it. I don't feel burdened by this. I, I'm kind of uh-huh. liking the the greater frequency of contact. Mm-hmm. I'm well, finding that two, uh, two hours, uh, two you know, it's an hour and a half, and I'm going to increase the um, free zone to two hours because I think uh, ninety because uh, then I can do two breakout groups and. Uh, and two hours, I can yeah. do two breakout groups, and that that really right. adds a lot to the quality of the conversation. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm finding yeah. with the uh, by the lead conversion uh, workshops that that model of um, I've been doing three hour um, um, mm-hmm. things with you know two with a full with a break in between in the middle. Um, but yeah. spaced out. And that's on uh, three Tuesdays, two Tuesdays, four Tuesdays. Uh, exactly. You know, you four that. Tuesdays. Yeah. yeah. Four Tuesdays, yeah. three hours. Yeah. Yep. And so that is, I, I, you know, I do find that's, I think, a, um, you know, a great way of getting an impact on something that mm-hmm. is going to benefit by experimenting by you know, taking something that you learn on day one and then implementing it and coming back and talking about that. So now you have not only the 
intellectual understanding of it, but you have an experience of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you have data. time. Yeah. And you have time to test too. And you have time yeah. to, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So to make yeah, I think there's too. all sorts of, uh, shifts going on, you know, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, and there's big industries that I have just, um, you know, been devastated. Um, uh, professional sports, for example, baseball, football, uh, basketball, their TV ratings are, I think NFL, their TV ratings are down 20%. The Major League Baseball, their TV ratings are down 50%. And uh, the NBA was down 75 percent for the for the playoffs you know they they, wow. they only had 25 percent yeah and uh and uh and i think the reason is that they don't know how to increase the entertainment you know the entertainment value how, how do you increase the entertainment value when you had already more or less maxed out yeah this whole um yeah you know i watched some of the nba um, and the way they had the uh, visuals, the stands was really weird to see. Like yeah. you know, they had crowd noises and then digital images of of fans. So trying to recreate the I think the uh, fan instead of having noise, they had cutouts. They had like cut- yeah. Was that done? Uh, was that baseball? Done, uh, that was yeah, baseball. Uh, I think it would have been better if they had put giraffes and zebras and gorillas you know, in the stands. <laughs> well, the U.S. Open at tennis, uh, the U.S. Open tennis, they had nobody in the stands. But they had really their ratings like, were up. Their ratings were up. That's interesting, but it's tennis, eerily. Te- yeah. ten- tennis and golf, actually, the ratings have been up this year. So that's th- uh, what is it about those two sports that's, um, you know, that's um, uniquely different? Yeah, the, I don't know. Like it's funny. Like I was thinking about NASCAR. NASCAR wouldn't make any difference whatsoever. You know, no. like uh, you can't. You never see the fans anyway. You know, and you you can't hear the fa- you can't hear the fans. You can't see the fans. So I don't think that's NASCAR. And NASCAR yeah. is actually a bigger. You know, it's a bigger sports. Uh, it's a bigger um, TV sports. Um, than the major league sports, yeah. NASCAR draws a lot, draws a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I it's think just, it's uh, late late nights in the strategic planning uh, strategic planning uh, departments of a lot of big industries. Yeah, I mean airlines. What do you do? Every you're a startup. You, you know, you may be the biggest airline in the world, but guess what? You're a startup. I've been seeing some great like charts. I think the chart for I think air travel is off by seventy percent or something. Is that possible? Oh yeah. Was oh, that right oh, on oh, that? Yeah. Not, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that uh, thirty that as high as thirty percent that actually do fly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we had one of our clients and he's. Uh, grown a logistics company. He's got a global logistics company sending packages. And uh, I was saying, you know, with the air carrier, you know, the passenger carriers down a lot, must leave a lot more air traffic room for the uh, cargo 
you know, for cargo planes, just pure cargo planes. He says, well, he said, uh, that's the interesting point, he said, is that uh, one of the things that made the passenger airlines, um, uh, you know, um, profitable was the fact that uh, on a full flight, like you take uh, one of their big planes, um, you know, you have 250 passengers, he said. Yes. They're actually luggage, he says, only represents about a third of the total freight that they're carrying. He said, he mm-hmm. said, uh, we were, we, we, you could send freight out. He said, that's how you can get, you know, fast time delivery because there's far more passenger flights in the world than there are, um, cargo flights. And, uh, and anything. So he says it's really been hard. He says, I, he says our numbers are up, but he says it's harder because you can't promise like two day delivery because, uh, you know, he said, um, he said, um, because you don't know if you're actually going to have a plane that's going to have room for you. Yeah. You know, so wow. actually, everybody's had to refigure things. Wow. So he's saying that they, that was what they were using was. was oh, yeah. Res- yeah. Or, uh, it was just automatic. Oh. I mean, if you, ah. if you want to ship something to Chicago, you know, yeah. from Toronto to Chicago. Well, you got Air Canada, you got WestJet, you've got uh, United Airlines, you got yeah, uh, uh, yeah. He says uh, yeah, there's forty flights a day, forty fifty flights a day. Yeah, you know, of course you can get it there tomorrow. He said, I didn't realize. You know, but he says if they're down seventy percent now, forty flights have become twelve flights, and everybody's fighting over getting their package on one of the twelve flights. You know, so I see. uh, Yeah, yeah. So it's very, very, really, really interesting. This is the mainland, you know, this is the mainland issue. Yes. <laughs> I'm really seeing these whole, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm really, um, I've been doing a lot of journaling and a lot of really observing of the context of things, right? Like we have mm-hmm. talked about this idea of the, the kind of 30 mile zone as the, your, your know, mainland hub, your mainland bubble yeah. mm-hmm. that you uh, that is affecting you, but certainly everything is, you know. I wonder what if I were putting a percentage on it, how much of things are, what percentage of things are driven by, you know, Cloudlandia, um, mm-hmm. you know, all of our entertainment and uh, all of our news and all of our, um, you know, awareness and shopping and everything is, is certainly Cloudlandia. Well, the interesting thing is, uh, the lifestyle, you know, I mean, first of all, you know, society, um, is is divided. Uh, People don't like talking about it. It's not an American thing to talk about. It's not a Canadian thing to talk about, but the classes, you know, the the classes. So um, you and I are entrepreneurs. So entrepreneurs are kind of a separate class unto their own. You know, if you take a look, because we declare independence from the, um, the economic system of most people very early in life. You know, mm-hmm. declare independence from it, and uh, and and therefore uh, socially, we don't have to pay attention to a lot of social cues. 
that if you wanted to, if you were in a corporate or, you know, whether it's a government bureaucracy or a corporate bureaucracy, um, or you're just an employee, um, that certain kind of social, uh, you know, you have to pay certain kind of social rules and, uh, you know, you got to take part in certain uh, kind of, you know, you have to dress properly, you have to pay attention to your, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, and you, your small talk has to uh, reflect the small talk of other people. And, uh, and uh, you know, and there's politics in there. It's got to be, you know, there's there's cultural, there's political uh, uh, um, things in there. And entrepreneurs, to a certain extent, if they know how to get a customer, they know how to uh, control cash flow. They know how to pr- um, produce profitability. You can be basically indifferent to other people's social concerns or their, you know, the social language. Yeah. Yeah. And and the two, so, uh, but, but but what I'm noticing is the impact of the pandemic and the worldwide pandemic worldwide lockdown conditions on everybody, what it does to the classes. And one of the things, one of the real casualties in this has been the celebrity class. Yes. Of people who, you know, had gotten to the top, they become celebrities and you can become celebrities in a lot of different ways in today's world, you know, Yeah. Uh, but you got to be, you, you got to have the language down, right. You got to have the outward symbols down, right. And everything like that. But I think since March, nobody cares what you think about anything where uh, celebrities used to make a lot of money telling other people what they thought about something. But right now, yeah. Um, nobody really cares. And you've pointed out that they're not celebrities, but there's they're influencers, that celebrities have been replaced by influencers. Yes, absolutely. And influencers, yeah, yeah. attention guiders or attention curators, basically Uh what they are. And that's a big shift. That's a big shift. And that yeah, that influencer thing you're putting your, uh, uh, you know, your finger on uh, is, um, I think, a phenomenon of Cloudlandia. It's not, yeah. um, you know, it's, um, I never saw the extent and the power of these individuals in the mainland. Right. Yeah, you're right. Like, I, this is what's the, the what this allows is equal access for the long tail of, of mm-hmm. outliers. I mean, there's some, um, you know, there's two, two things that I've noticed just even in observing what's happening with TikTok. And I think TikTok is a really good sort of barometer of what's going on in Cloudlandia right now. I mean, just the shift in that, it's come up um, so kind of quickly in consciousness now, but it's been around for a while. And it is definitely where all of the attention is now. And the, um, you know, the advantage. I've not, uh, can you, can you explain it to me? Because I've not been on it. I, I mean, I've heard the name, I've, okay, so what's different? What's out. different? 
What's different about TikTok than other social media? Yeah, it started out as an app called Musical.ly, and it was a basically kids would do lip sync videos to popular songs, and then、mm. it started evolving into them doing. You know, funny things or dance moves and、uh, and all of this, but you have basically one minute to、uh, to do a video, and then you just keep infinitely scrolling. You know, it's infinitely bringing those、um, to you. But the two girls that are at the tippy top of TikTok now,、um, Charlie D'Amelia and and Addison Ray, have you know. I think I think Charlie has like ninety million now, and Addison Rae has seventy million、um, followers. And but it all happened because the wave of attention that went onto the app, where they were in in the water swimming when the Crest of the tsunami came right, and they were、yeah. lifted up to the top. And、mm-hmm. everybody now is coming in, trying to catch up to, try and get in front of the tsunami. But in order to be at the very top, they、yeah. had to be in the water paddling <laughs> well before it even became a thing. They were swept、yeah. away into this, you know. Yeah. And it's just such a、um, yeah, it's yeah. It's such an interesting thing. See, interesting issue. I've studied a lot about TikTok, but not really、yeah. knowing what it was. But from a political standpoint, they're a Chinese、well, company, and、yeah. um, so that they're going to have to make a switch where whoever owns TikTok has to satisfy the、uh, you know the U.S. government that they're not、yeah. Chinese. That they're not, so they've got some sort of big、uh, strategic. Oracle, I think they, they just sold. Did they sell? Did they? Did I, they actually、I、get think, it? I don't know. There's that's the last I、yeah. heard. Those, yeah, Oracle. Because、uh, you, know, um, you know, you、um, know, you know, and this is a mainland. This is a mainland、uh, issue. But、uh, yeah. we're into a new cold cold war. This is very very similar to. What happened between between the United States and the Soviets after they had been allies during the Second World War, but very quickly, you know, after the Second World War, and、uh, you know, and、um, so th- that's a mainland issue, and、uh, you know, a lot of people who are in Cloudlandia say, "Well, that's stupid politics is stupid." Well, mainland is just as real as Cloudlandia, you know. Yeah, yeah, both of these.、Uh, You wake up in the morning. Guess what? You're not in Cloudlandia. You're in the world of gravity, you know. And、uh, right. Know, and、uh, and so my my sense is that uh, uh, anything Chinese right now, if I can give a context, how I think it's being seen increasingly outside of China, is that uh, uh, what are they up to? You know, there's sort、yeah. of under question if they create anything new or anything becomes popular. Say,、so、what are they up to with this one? You know, so there's a skepticism and a scrutiny, and、um, you know,、uh, they've been 
heavy-handed about how they've gone about things, and, yeah. and they've been less than um, um, less than uh, what I would say, less than uh, completely well, honest. Coming, yeah, how, transparent. How, completely yeah. honest how they handle other people's property and how they right. handle other people's, you know. And so now there's a mounting opposition to things Chinese, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of the stories in the Who Not How book um, uh, is about Paul Heiss, who's a manufacturer. He's got three factories in China, and how he used Who Not How to create a factory in India, and he's using Who Not How to create a factory in Mex in Mexico. And uh, but it's all because of the Cold War, you know, the mm. coming, and this is going to go on for the next quarter century, quarter century, and I mean, uh, it, it'll get worse every quarter, and it'll be going for the next twenty-five years. I've lived through a Cold War in my early oh, really? days, and I know what it, yeah, and I know what a Cold War feels like, you know, and it wow. gets worse every, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I guess that's part of the thing. You wonder, you know, without being fed the media. Uh, would you even know that you're in a Cold War? Uh, no, because one side of the media isn't saying anything about it at all. And if right. you look at who owns who, their big investors are, they're Chinese investors. So yeah. they, they, so uh, you know, and uh, I mean, it was like uh, there's this thing that's come up about Biden and his family with, uh, you know, uh, all sorts yeah. of. I won't say it's illegal. I don't think right. uh, I don't I don't think there's crime here, but it is corrupt. You know, I mean, it's yeah. kind of corrupt. So anyway, uh, some of this evidence was uh, posted in the New York Post daily paper in New York. And it's the oldest newspaper in the United States, actually. Was that the, just recently? No, it's Tuesday. Last oh, Tuesday. Tuesday. Well, yeah. And uh, and. Um, Facebook and Twitter came down hard, and they wouldn't allow uh, any mention mention of this Biden report on you know this report on the Biden family uh, on Facebook. They just came down and they censored it. Wow! And uh, and which was uh, and they've been lambasted from inside the technology community. What are you doing? You didn't even check out. I mean, you said it's. You know, it's false, but you didn't have time to even check. Nobody's had really time to check into it, you know, and everything. So it's they they took something that they wanted people not to know about, and they made everybody know about it because uh, it involves them. Well, yesterday it turns out that the number one person at Facebook, um, Facebook, uh, who is in charge of whether something can be on Facebook or not Facebook, uh, was Vice President Biden's personal advisor on these foreign trips that have caused the the report. Oh my goodness! Know. Yeah, well, that's not criminal. There's nothing. There's not a crime no. about that. Yeah, but it is corrupt. You know, it is corrupt. Uh, and uh, and then it's bad for Facebook. You know, it's bad for Facebook because it's not uh, a good look. Yeah. Well, the one thing a corporation does not want to do is to turn off half of your consumers. You know, right. you don't want to turn off half it. You know, it's Michael Jordan. He says, you know, Republicans buy sneakers. Buy too. shoes too. That's right. 
That is true. Asked him, you know, well, which side are you on? And he says, well, you know, Republicans buy sneakers too. He he answered the question, but he didn't answer the question. You know, but he answered the question in the best possible way. I thought it was. Yeah. I, I, I uh, you know, and people say, well, Dan, you've been silent during 2020. You haven't said a thing. You know, you haven't said a thing about, you know, the election or anything else. And I was going to yeah. ask, but. And I say, um, I've got a lot of great Democratic clients in Strategic Coach. That's true. Yes, that's funny. I've got a lot of clients who vote Democratic, and I said that's they, true. They aren't they they aren't paying to be in Coach to hear political political viewpoints. That's not why they that's come. That's true. So, yeah, and <laughs> uh, and and I've learned that you know I've learned that painfully because in you know. Previous times, maybe five years ago, six years ago, you know, like that, I was very vocal and I, I just got a lot of complaints. And uh, mm-hmm. so people, so people saying, what do you think is going to happen with the election? I said, I got two predictions. It's going to be on November 3rd. It's going to be on November 3rd. And I'm going to vote. Uh-huh. Those are my two predictions. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody's going to win. That's a prediction. Yep, yep, yep. Eventually. Uh, doesn't matter who wins. I do the same thing the next day. I, I do coach That's stuff. That's exactly right. That's exactly and you right. Do, and you do your stuff. And I said, uh, you know. It just so happens that the next day, tomorrow, I've got my strategic coach workshop tomorrow, 10x. 10 times. Then, yeah, 10 times. And then Game Changer on Tuesday. Oh, free zone. Free zone. I'm sorry. Yes. Free zone on Tuesday. So it's all very yeah. exciting. Yeah. And uh, it's really great. And we have a party tomorrow night. We have a party like we usually do. This is great. But yeah. I miss the dinners, though. That's uh, one thing. Well, you, there you can really see, you know, you can really see that there uh, there's a whole dimension that yeah. uh, there's no way that Outlandic can provide that dimension. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, I will. Uh, I will see you tomorrow, Dan. I will see you, and this will be Chicago time, so it will be That's right. ten o'clock, ten o'clock um, Eastern time, and uh, it's a an amazing workshop. I have to tell you. Uh, I've had my team who are kind of experts on this because a lot of them have been around for 20 years or so. And they said, this is the greatest 10 times uh, quarterly workshop ever. I can't wait. Yeah, you'll love it. You'll love it. And it's all connected. The whole thing is connected from morning till night. Uh, I've got four separate things that are on. They just build on each other throughout the day. So it's a terrific. I love it. All righty. Well, I will see you in the morning. Will do. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.